I was 20 years old when I lost my job as a drafter. It was 2009 and the market had just crashed. I spent six months unemployed before the same company called me back. But there was a catch this time. The job had nothing to do with engineering. Instead, it was a job serving coffee to our Saudi Arabian clients. But I had no choice. I was broke in a bear market, so I took the job. And I must say, it was a humbling experience that changed me forever. I mean, I went from working in the engineering department to serving coffee. But something interesting happened during that period of time. I began developing close relationships with the Saudis. In their country, a coffee boy was the equivalent of an intern. So they were always pouring into me and encouraging me and helping me out. I mean, even eventually they would double my pay to $20 an hour, making me one of the highest paid coffee boys in the world. And then a few years later, after that project, when the market rebounded, they demanded that I come on as a project manager for one of their new projects. This is a story that I love to share with young professionals because an internship is a great foot in the door at a large organization. Early on, you shouldn't be focusing so much on the money. You should really be focusing on the relationships because your network equals your net worth. So on today's podcast, I invited my friend Rachel onto the show to share her journey from interning to overseeing marketing at KP Engineering. Internships can also teach you. They're also important because they can teach you exactly what you don't want to do. You're majoring in engineering. You're not quite sure about it, but you think you like it. Well, go get an internship. This is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Kind of tell me how you got to where you are today. Kind of take us back. Yeah, I think uh, I think where I'm at today may be somewhat relevant to anyone that's listening, um, just because I'm very happy with where I'm at. But I'd say that it it falls back a lot on my network and who who I've stayed in touch with. I think at the base of where I'm at now, it really started from you know, looking back to how I was as a college student, which I know is a tough time for a lot of young people. But I really took that time to figure out what it was that really interests me and intrigued me and motivated me just as a human being. And, you know, like many college students, you go into college and you pick a major that your parents tell you you should pick or a major where, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money if I do this. And I did that. (laughs) I have a lot of doctors, nurses, uh, just medical industry people in my family and people that had inspired me. And so that was the route I was going to take. I majored in biology and I was going to be a dentist. That's what I was going to do. And I was in a specialty program in high school that was focused on that. And that was the route I was going to take. Then I went to college and first semester, it's you know, here's a chemistry and biology anatomy textbook that's four inches thick. Go learn it. I wasn't aligned with what I enjoyed as a human anymore, right? In high school, it was very interactive. There were labs that you did, very hands-on. Um, and that's when I discovered that I was a pretty tactile learner and having to sit down and read a textbook was not <laughs> something that I enjoyed. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, self-awareness is huge. So I switched from that to accounting. Because I figured I sat down with my dad in college, luckily, and he said, well, what do you like? I mean, you're taking all these classes. You got to like something. 
And I liked algebra at the time. I was, I had an A in it when a lot of my friends were not doing well. And he said, well, accountants make good money. That's a stable career. So I said, okay, be an accountant. <laughs> yeah, let's. the same day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. you know, and they're looking out for yeah. us, you know. So, you know, I switched from accounting. I, I made, So I went into accounting. I did that actually for about three semesters. Right. But once again, going back to my network, if you will, and the people that you know, I had good relationships with my professors. You know, I was someone that would stay after class sometimes and say, I don't get this because I'm thinking this class is so big. There's so many students in here. How am I really going to learn if I can't ask questions? I'm just a curious person. So I had built relationships with professors and many of them started to tell me politely, (laughs) you're not an accountant. And I don't think you realize what you're getting into. You're going to have to sit behind a desk most days and it's very analytical and you're going to be a lot of number crunching on a keyboard and I've got a little bit of a personality and a mouth on me. And so thankfully with the guidance of those people, I started to once again, go back to the drawing board of what do I enjoy as a person? I did like math. I really did. But that in and of itself wasn't going to be the only thing that I was going to be passionate about forever. So I also started to just self-reflect and realize how much I really enjoyed communication (laughs) as well. And marketing essentially is the marrying and the intertwining of uh, communication Mm -hmm. and math, right? It's Mm -hmm. communicating certain messages to certain markets with certain people on the receiving end of that to drive business growth which is the math, the measurement, you know, the return on that investment that you put in to marketing. So by the time I was a, I guess, a late sophomore, early junior in college, I had it figured out. I wanted marketing is what I want to do. And I felt very affirmed by that because of the wrong choices I had made. So very lucky for me, I had been able to figure out that marketing was what I wanted to do. But just to triple check myself because I had messed up quite a few semesters by focusing on the wrong thing and having the wrong major, I decided to get an internship (laughs) to see, okay, classroom wise, study wise, I really enjoy marketing, but let's go see what it's like in the real world. Let's see if that's something I really wanted to do. And so I got a couple internships. (laughs) Actually, so that, and that was my big question because everyone has that turning point, especially in college where it's like, I this isn't what I want to do. And when you had your professors telling you this isn't for you, how did you respond to that? Were you were you encouraged by that? Did you feel, okay, what do I do now? How was that feeling, you know, feeling like, or some people say, no, I have to fight harder. That's a good point that some people would say, oh, I've got to fight harder. Um, no, I think humans and the people that are in our lives are so important. We Everyone sees themselves in a certain light. We all see ourselves in a certain way. But the people that interpret you and the people that receive your output every day, I mean, there's a lot that can come from that, from other people's perspective. And it's not to say that you should care all the time what everyone else thinks of you. But especially in an academic setting, when all these professors do is see students day in and day out, try and try and try and try, and they see students succeed. And then they also see students fail. In a lot of ways, they're an expert on 
the development of young people. Yeah, it was a little bit of a punch in the gut. I thought, well, I'm smart enough to be an accountant. You know, accounting's hard and I can do this. You know, I, I failed miserably at biology my first semester. And accounting, I mean, yeah, I was keeping a B plus average, but I was appreciative that they told me that because I think internally I wasn't really happy with it either. I understood it but I wasn't excited about it. And so by them kind of saying that, it kind of echoed what I was feeling internally. It did hurt to feel that, to hear it. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. It had to have kind of hurt just in that moment to hear those words. And two, just to add to that, the financial side of it was (laughs) also- kind of invested. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well that, but then Mm -hmm. the finances of what's going to come from it, right? I mean, at first I was going to go be a dentist and I was going to make six figures coming out of college. And then I was going to be an accountant, right? because I was still going to be able to make six figures out of college. And I learned before the money really ever came into play that I needed to enjoy what I was doing or I just wasn't going to finish college. Like that's really what it came down to. If I didn't find something I enjoyed, I wasn't going to finish. Some people may be able to persevere through something they're not passionate about. I would not recommend that, but I'm just not that person. If I'm not in it, I'm not in it and I'm not going to complete it. I'm not going to get to the end. And so- Yeah, by finding kind of my purpose and what I, not even my purpose, but by finding what I genuinely enjoyed, I was able to actually graduate. (laughs) Wow, that's that's so awesome that you didn't go, because some people go all the way through the program. You know, they graduate and then they get out and it's like, oh man. So there's two sides to that. And uh, I'm so, you know, happy that you did make that decision at that age too. That That's very powerful. So tell me about this internship because that's not such a cool term, the, the whole internship and especially the unpaid ones. You yeah. know, I was fortunate enough to get pretty much, I guess, a paid internship, but there's unpaid internships. There's, there's different types of programs. And so tell me what really kind of prompted you to say, okay, I'm going to go this internship. Right? What was your aim? <laughs> there because yeah. I was kind of thrust into that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So what really thrusted me into that was that I was at waiting tables in college, okay. as, as most people do. And I was just tired of being crapped on most mm. days by just unhappy guests. And I told myself waiting tables is not going to get me any closer to being a good marketer. If I get my degree and that's what I go do with my life, this is not necessarily an investment into that. Technically, financially, maybe because I'm making some money, but technically I'm not learning a whole lot here. And anyone who's ever worked in the service industry knows that it's tough. So anyway, I said, I need to do something different and I want to continue learning. And so it was tough because I took a a big kind of pay cut, if you will, to go get that internship. But I knew that an internship was an investment into my future. I knew that I would be able to get out into the real world, if you will, and really see what marketing was and test if what I had kind of finally decided on in college to major in, if that was going to be something that I genuinely enjoyed. Now, I had eliminated the other two majors that I had just by being in the classroom. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> so with marketing, I said, okay, well, I think I enjoy this. I'm really enjoying what I'm learning, but let me see. Let me check myself here. And so it was a combination of not enjoying the whole waiting tables deal, but then also just wanting to know if I was really going to enjoy what I was majoring in in the real world. You were smart back then. <laughs> <laughs> Look, self-awareness is self-awareness. key. Self-awareness <laughs> I mean, yeah, just introspection, like constantly practicing and kind of second guessing yourself. And look, I'm an analytical person and I I don't take a whole lot of risk, if you will. Some people are very risky and they learn by 
you know, making a lot of errors and failing forward fast. And that's great. That's another good way to learn. But I come from the school of thought of just like what's tried and true. So we're going to try, the, you know, we're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to the drawing board, but we're going to learn why this didn't work. We're going to really learn why this didn't work. And we're going to really learn how we can move forward with it. Those internships proved to help. <laughs> Tell me about this internship experience. Like, what was that like for you? What did you learn? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so I learned so much. My, I actually had two internships in college. Okay. Both were paid, but very minimum. I think my mm-hmm. first internship I was making seven fifty an hour, and then oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean when you're waiting tables, you can average yeah. twenty five dollars an hour, thirty dollars an hour. Yeah. You know, especially in Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah. I mean, you wait tables at the right restaurant, you'll make more than I'm making now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, but it still doesn't necessarily waiting tables was just not what I wanted to do forever. Right. So my first internship was with a realtor association, and so we managed um, all of the realtors within the city of Lafayette, Louisiana, where I went to school, and that was really neat. It was scary. It was a small office, so it was only about five to 10 people on any given day. But I mean, we were the organization that trained realtors on coming in and out of the industry. We were responsible for, you know, the lock boxes that you see on all these homes. When you're, when you're selling a home, we were responsible for assigning those. And there were so many layers to it. And I had no idea what I was doing, right? I mean, I just wanted to kind of test my thesis. Do I like marketing? <laughs> but it was great because I got to work on presentations with realtors that would come in. And um, I got to do research reports on occupancy rates in apartment complexes in the city. They just threw me a lot of different things. I wasn't filing papers all the time. I wasn't going to get people coffee. It really was an internship. They really kind of brought me in and I appreciated that. But yeah, I definitely was scared. <laughs> right. Yes. Were you intimidated at all, like going into that? Or was was the environment more, we're going to pour into you, we're going to build you up? Yeah. I mean, I definitely was intimidated. I was so, so fortunate to be in an office with people who just supported me. And it wasn't a very fast paced, got to get things done type of environment. It was pretty methodical and uh, kind of process-driven routine. This is, We do trainings, we do education, things like that. But regardless of the environment that you walk into, as calming as it can be, the unknown is what's intimidating. So that's really what was more intimidating. Not so much the people or the environment. Once I got in, I was able to kind of relax. But the unknown is always intimidating. But once I conquered that first internship. I stayed with them for two semesters and I'm still connected with all the people that I worked with there. But I left there and in my senior year, I got an internship at uh, the marketing agency that really kind of launched my career. Right. So now in your experience, especially going through the internship process, how important is interning, you know, these days? (laughs) I think general involvement on campus in any college setting is so important. The internship that I got with the marketing agency. I got through involvement with Relay for Life on my college campus. The man who was donating t-shirts to our organization, uh, those of you who are familiar with Relay for Life and the American Cancer Society, I was on the the board of directors with that. You know, my dad's a cancer survivor and I was passionate about it. And so I got involved with that. And the gentleman who donated t-shirts to our event said, you know, after working with you, just really impressed, you know, my wife runs a marketing firm. 
you want a job when you graduate, call me, you know? And I thought that was so interesting. At the time I said, oh no, I'm going to get my master's degree, but thank you. You know, I had this plan set out, but when it came down to it, you know, my senior year, I said, well, let me reach out and just see if I could get an internship there. It was at the marketing agency that just focused solely on serving oil and gas clients. We had operations in Louisiana, Houston, Texas, and then also in the UK. But internships are invaluable. I mean, I look back and think about where I was when I was in that internship. And what I was worried about at the time was, well, gosh, I'm not going to be making as much money, student loans and this, that, and the other. But it's paid off about 10 years into my career now. And I mean, the money, all my student loans are paid off. I didn't want to lose out on money waiting tables to get an internship at $10 an hour because it was just such a decrease in pay, but I did it. I did it because I knew that I needed to. I knew it was the only way I was going to learn. I had set a goal when I was in college to, I told myself, I'm not going to walk across that stage without a degree. Wow. I mean, without a job, I'm sorry. Okay. I was, I was <laughs> like, yeah, me either. I'm not walking. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't walk across the state without a degree, but, but without a job. But what had happened is I'm in college and I'm seeing all these people graduate before me. You see them out and about at a restaurant or a bar, you know, where the gym and, oh, hey, yeah, you graduated. How are things, you know? And people were, oh, I'm still, you know, doing some landscaping stuff on the side right now. You know, I haven't really been able to find anything to put my English degree to work. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And there were a lot of people that I kind of came in contact with. For me, that was really discouraging because I think I'm working to get this degree right now. There's so many people that haven't done anything with it. And then what good is all the sacrifice that you make if you're not going to do anything with it when you graduate? You know, it just, that didn't make sense to me. So I told myself it wasn't an option that I was going to have a job when I graduated college. And I also thought to myself, but why would someone hire me? Because I have a degree. Well, great. 200 other people that want this job have a degree too. How do I set myself apart, you know, to get to that goal? And it was through internships. That's incredible. So in that same vein, there's also this thing called mentorships. And I think those are very important, but sometimes the access to them is kind of difficult. I was the weird kid like on LinkedIn, like messaging random people like, hey, can you mentor me? Yeah. It's like mentor, you, you, <laughs> you know, that's kind of a still kind of a foreign concept, but it has existed for years. Mm -hmm. So how can someone who has very small network, maybe just their immediate friends, build their network and, and find a mentor? What's the steps involved sure. in, in getting there? I'd say the first step is just getting over yourself, getting out of your own way. In order to find a mentor, you have to build that network. Now, granted, if you have a small network, you know, you can just plug the people in that network and ask them, right? But if you think about the basis of the way anything spreads, the more people the higher the chances that the information gets out, right? So if you're looking for a mentor and you've got a network of 10 people, you know, if your network was 20 people even, 30 people even, that you could be asking for any type of connection for a mentorship and you increase your chances of getting one. I think, you know, that being said, the what usually keeps people from growing their network is fear. You know, I didn't have an internship in college. So nobody's going to talk to me about right. 
being my mentor or, you know, I don't know anyone in that space. So no one's going to talk to me about mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I think if you just get out of your own head and just make the ask, I mean, what do you have to lose? Someone saying, no, I don't want to mentor you. Okay, great. You're right back where you are (laughs) now. (laughs) I mean, nothing's changed, you know? So I think kind of getting out of your own head, getting out of your own way. There's a saying, the only way out is through. If you want to end up with a mentor, right? I mean, you have to go in order to get out of where you're currently at, you have to go through that process of building a network that's going to land you some sort of mentorship. I think relevancy is key too. There's a bit of a kind of a trade-off, if you will. If you are a, a dance major and you want a mentor in the medical field, well, there's got to be something that kind of makes you relevant to that person in the medical field that you're seeking. Whether it's you're able to communicate, I'm a dance major now, but I really want to be a nurse. I'm really considering going into the nursing field. That kind of pitch and approach and clear thought would resonate with someone who is already in that field better than just saying, you know, I want to learn about nursing. Would you help me? I mean, why is that relevant to them? Or even... If you're a young marketer like I was, you wanted mentors. There's uh, professional associations that you can join, memberships and whatnot. And when you do that, some of them will have mentorship opportunities just based on membership alone. So also there's different ways to go about getting mentorships. One is to be like me and just message random people. (laughs) There's there's also different organizations that you can get involved with, especially around Houston, Mm -hmm. such a large city. Can you speak kind of to that? So it's a funny comment you make about, you know, just messaging random people (laughs) in LinkedIn because that can work too. I I mean, I think what you said there aligns with the only way out is through. It is kind of creepy to Mm. go message random people on LinkedIn. Yeah. But what I hear when you say that, Ray, is I don't care. I don't care if they think I'm creepy. I need a mentor. Right. Right. You shoot enough darts at a board and eventually you're going to hit a bullseye, you know, whether you're looking or not. I mean, if you just keep going, it'll happen. Although the effectiveness of that, I'm not sure. My last, the last one of my mentors, it was a position I was in and Um, He was the CEO and I reported directly into him overseeing marketing for the company. And uh, he shared a lot of experiences with me about mentoring people and how many times he had been asked by people to be a mentor. It wasn't, that's why I made the relevancy comment because for him, he had a wife and five kids at home and he also was running a company. I mean, People would message him all the time and ask him to be a mentor, to have his time, this, that, and the other. But there had to be a reason that he gave up some of that time. And so relevancy was important in that situation. But bringing it all back to the internship side of it and kind of professional associations. Early on in my career, when I first moved to Houston, I got involved with an organization called the Business Marketing Association of Houston. I got involved with it because it was very relevant to my career, I was working in a business-to-business marketing capacity, and that organization was very focused on B2B marketing in Houston. Most people are familiar with the American Marketing Association. That's another good one. They, they have a Houston chapter. I think theirs may be the largest in the country. But for me specifically, being in B2B marketing, 
you know, hearing from restaurant owners and people in the financial sector and things, you know, shoe hospitals and things like that, that wasn't yeah, quite as relevant right. to my career. <laughs> um, so I got involved in one that was very targeted and very specific to what I was working in and kind of what I had fallen in love with marketing in general, but specifically in the business to business realm. And so I worked my tail off for that organization because I had moved to Houston and I didn't know anyone really except the people that I worked with at the time. Mm -hmm. And so this was kind of a way for me to meet people, but then also kind of help my career a little bit. So I just started volunteering. I just said, put me wherever you can. What can I do? I want to help. And it was a volunteer-led organization. You know, nobody gets paid Mm -hmm. to do their jobs, to sit on the board of directors, to be a volunteer. And so I just constantly asked, how can I help? There was a woman in the organization who was really gracious and said, absolutely, we need your help. She put me on a committee and I started volunteering with them. And after, I don't even know how many years now, I was elected to the board of directors. And during my time as president, once I was elected to president of the organization, I had become the youngest president to ever kind of rule over and manage the chapter since the organization had come about in 1978. And it just blew my mind. Still somewhat early on in my career, I guess about five years at the time, but I just really cared about the development of marketers and people in their career and, you know, how do we get better? And the organization had given me a lot too. I had volunteered a whole lot, but every role that I took on came with a new group of people that I was working with, a new project, a new goal to be accomplished. It was more exposure for me in my career, right? Which that expands your network because then people are thinking of you being associated with marketing constantly. So while I was president though, back to the point of internships, while I was president, I had tasked out a key member of our board to work on a, a mentorship program. We, after going to, we had national conferences for BMA. Every summer we would go to Chicago. Uh, We'd get to visit with other chapters around the country, see what they were doing. One of the chapters, I think it was Chicago, had started a young professionals part of their organization. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, young people. I mean, they're the future, you know? It's me and you, we're young people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, I'm young. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Until these grays come in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so we had seen some other chapters nationally that working on kind of focusing on young professionals. They were seeing marketers that were kind of graduating on from their organization, if you will, going into retirement. And so we said, oh, you know, that could be something that we do. Um, And we already had an internship and scholarship program within the organization and we would raise funds through different fundraisers throughout the year and we would give scholarships and we would give scholarships to marketing students at different universities Mm -hmm. in the state. But then we also would match interns, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone was a member of the Business Marketing Association and they needed an intern in their marketing department, we were connected with all of the local universities to then place them with interns. So we started that, and then kind of from there, the next layer that we took it to was a a mentor program. And we just started pulling our membership and said, hey, do you have the capacity to kind of give back? Do you want to give back? Do you care to give back? Because we're thinking about offering this mentorship program to young professionals. And this is kind of what we think it looks like as far as a time commitment, things like that. And once we had kind of laid out those things, we had 
members. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, people want to give back. They do. And so we started it from there. I'm still on the board of directors. I'm more in an advisory role now, but it's just been incredible to be able to see that grow. We have a matching event, a mentor matching. It's kind of like a speed dating twice a year. And every single mentee, desiring mentee that has come in has been matched successfully. We have a hundred percent match rate. And I think it just goes to show to your point, how bad people want a mentor. They want to be led. They want someone to bounce ideas off of. They want to know if they're making a good decision, if they're making a bad decision. And so, yeah, it's proven to be successful for our members who are the professionals, but then also the young people that come in and want mentors to help them too. Because I mean, and also for someone who wants to mentor somebody. I mean, I can't think of a much better feeling than to to take all of your experiences and every all, all the bumps and bruises you got and help someone along the way. You know, there's just no amount of money that can replace that feeling when you help someone who's just like you, a young Rachel, <laughs> yeah. kind of just, you know, make a life-changing decision in a pivotal moment of their life. So mm-hmm. I think there are tons of people who want to do that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it just takes you reaching out. Uh, But you said a big word. You said this V word that we can't just skate over. You said volunteering. Sure. (laughs) That we're not touching on popular terms throughout this whole podcast. We got internships, volunteering. I mean, none of this involves money. But outside of the monetary value, can you speak to what volunteering has done for your life? Perspective, humility. Those are two of the first words that come to mind. Just understanding really how organizations operate. It's humbled me. It's made me realize I'm not going to climb to the top, if you will, overnight. That's just not how it works. Like nobody's going to care about you except for you unless you give them a reason to. Internships and volunteering are your way to essentially invest in yourself by way of others. It's given me perspective on seeing things from different angles not necessarily looking at something and seeing it through the lens of the young professional that I once was. But, you know, when you're volunteering along someone who is the director of marketing, $4 billion subsea company, people like that would have never given me the time of day outside of both being involved in an organization together. And by being alongside her in a different capacity, volunteering, I still was able to kind of start to open up my perspective to see things from kind of her point of view. Someone who was a seasoned marketer who had been around for a while, right? And you're right. You know, these internships words, these volunteer words, I mean, it's like, oh, it's so exhausting. Do I have to? I don't want to. But if you have goals and a direction for your life and where you see that going, it's very, very rare that you're going to get there on your own. And that's where the volunteering comes into play. And I think this may not be the most popular opinion, but for me personally, I think volunteering just feels good. I just think that it does. I think it feels good to say I'm contributing to something that's bigger than I am and I'm not getting paid to do it. I'm choosing to give my time to this organization, to this group, to this purpose, to these people, whatever that is. And a key point too, I think to mention is the volunteering in large part that I've done has been through the Business Marketing Association of Houston. We actually were acquired in 2017 by the American, the Association of National Advertisers, ANA. So it's kind of a mouthful, (laughs) but that was where a lot of my volunteering 
time went to. But to the people listening to this, it's also very relevant. You can meet people that can give you career advantages and goals and advice in your church. Right. Volunteering with a pet organization, Humane Society, mm-hmm. trash pickup, a recycling group at your gym. There's a lot of ways you can network. I think you kind of shorten the timeline a little bit if you volunteer in a professional association that's mm-hmm. relevant to what you want to do. Shorten the timeline. Shorten <laughs> yeah. the timeline. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and that's, that's relevant now <laughs> yeah. because of, you know, yeah. the instant gratification, we want everything overnight. Right, so yeah. if you want to shorten the timeline, that's <laughs> yeah. the way to do it. That's a growth <laughs> hack for you right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Volunteering. Yeah. yeah. Got you. So how does all this work together? Like we've heard great things from you, but Can you tell me about some of the moments where like having things like internships and mentorships and volunteering and how it can work for you during the dips or or when times get hard or when you need another job? Can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it helps. You know, you talk about the dips and the lows and I experienced that like we talked about in college, sure, by picking the wrong majors. But lucky me working in marketing, but the industry that I chose was oil and gas, which if you follow anything on energy today, our industry is arguably, maybe not even arguably, maybe just flat out the most cyclical industry in our country because we are not although our president would like to say that we are energy independent, we're not fully energy independent yet. We still rely heavily on on OPEC. And so it's not just our decision, the price of oil. It's more of a global influence. And so it's very cyclical. But I think that if, if you've got internships, if you've volunteered, if you are networking, if you do have people to rely on, you can kind of navigate it in the sense of a family setting. When you think of an ideal family, you got your mom, your dad, a couple siblings, right? Mm -hmm. And if you face something hard, where do you go? You go to your family. What do I do? How do I process this? What do I do next? And it's the same thing in a career setting when you're navigating a layoff, when you're navigating getting fired for the first time, maybe the second time, who knows? (laughs) But you know, when you're navigating not being able to find a job, your family, is your network, essentially. Those are the people that you say, look, I just got fired. I don't know what to do. I don't think I should have been fired. Or maybe you know that you earned being fired, right? Right. But you don't know what the next steps are or how to process it or what to take from it. And so that's really where your network comes in. But as far as internships specifically are concerned, you know, we talked about it before, but for me, yes, I had done a lot of introspection ahead of time and I had kind of by process of elimination figured out what it was that I wanted to do. But what I kind of sacrificed was some time in college, right? Switching majors. Internships can also teach you. They're also important because they can teach you exactly what you don't want to do. You're majoring in engineering. You're not quite sure about it but you think you like it, well, go get an internship. And maybe once it's in the real world, you'll realize, oh, I really don't want to do this. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I sat in that cubicle for a year straight and I was like, this this is not me, you know, and I changed my major. So yes, that's very true. Absolutely, yeah. So you, whatever side yeah. you sit on, you can be gung-ho and it works out and it, look, it launches your career. But I think they are just as valuable because if nothing else, you can figure out what you don't want to do. What we were talking about earlier, the only way out is through. If you don't get an internship, then what the risk that you take is investing four years into something that you're never going to touch again. 
that's never going to matter to you again. Maybe even five years, maybe even six years, however long it takes you to finish college. But, you know, the internship side of it is really a test of that early on. So I think that that's definitely valuable. But yeah, navigating it all once you finally get out of it and, and you get a job and you're liking what you're doing, maybe you're not liking what you're doing. I mean, your network is so invaluable, but you have to give to that network in order to get anything. I mean, it's just basic kind of human nature. You go to work, but what do you get for going to work? You get paid. You trying to get married. Well, you've got to give certain things to your wife in order to get things as a husband. It's a partnership. People have to help one another and play. And it is no different when you're looking for a mentor, when you're looking for a network. What value do you bring to those people? So Rachel, can you speak kind of to just about kind of your routine outside of just KP engineering? What is something that are constant in your life, whether it's health and wellness, whether it's faith, what keeps you going? Yeah, faith would be at the top of that list. Part of my routine is having daily and regular talks with the Lord because I just can't do life on my own. And, you know, regardless of what you believe, whether it's the universe is working for you, whatever it is, I definitely encourage people to stick with that because God is my guide, definitely a part of my daily routine. But outside of kind of the spiritual realm, just exercising, I mean, just the science of what exercise does for you is indisputable. It is good. And I think it has a lot to do and to help with how we approach work, relationships, energy levels, kind of how we approach most things. I mean, every day you kind of go to the gym or you go exercise, it's not going to be a record day, but it's still good for you. And it still is an investment into yourself. So talking to the Lord, exercising. I really like to spend time with my family. The older I get, it's like you never get enough of it because so many people have different agendas and things like that. So family's huge. But yeah, kind of a hack for me, if you will, in my personal life that I've learned over the past I guess two years, really. I really started doing this in 2018. Just the simplicity of making my bed in the morning. That's what my wife does. And she's just committed to that. Yes. It's a sense of completion, right? It's like a, wow. Well, you know. tell me about that. Yeah, Uh well, and smart woman. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't do it, but, you know, she makes me do it. Sure, (laughs) sure. Well, you know, it's, uh, I think it just symbolizes a lot. It gives you, yes, a sense of completion in the morning. But for me, you asked about my routine. Well, I'm not one of these early risers that wakes up three hours before I have to go to work and goes to run and reads and meditates and then goes to work. That's not me. And I'm self-aware, introspection. (laughs) I've learned that about myself. So it's really important. I give myself about an hour in the morning to get ready. I can stay in bed and kind of think, pray, whatever. I want to check my emails for 15 to 20 minutes. But then I get up, I'll eat something, I'll get dressed, and then I'm out the door. So it's really important for me because I kind of only give myself an hour in the morning to really get my day started, if you will. It's very important for me that once I get to the office, I'm organized and I know what I'm getting into. A lot of kind of what I've heard in my career as far as improvement goes and routines is you have to be a morning person. You have to wake up early. It's what you have to do. And I have tried that and it hasn't worked for me. So, but what I have learned in being honest with myself is that I'm not going to be that early bird, super riser, ready to go. So if I am coming into the office and I'm still a little bit tired, my day has to be organized and ready to go. You know, when I get to the office, I've been up for an hour and a half, two hours max. Some people, they've been up for three, four hours. So when I get into the office, it's important that my day is kind of already organized for me. And so I use project management 
tools very often. I love them. I've used Trello before. I've worked in Microsoft Dynamics. I've used the one I love now is called Asana, but it creates a checklist for my day. And the great thing about that is that every day when I come into the office, I know what needs to be done. And so it doesn't matter when I get out of bed, really. Because as soon as I get to the office, there's a plan in place for the most part. I know what to expect of my day. But I think if you're not a morning person and you're walking into your office without your day planned, Mm -hmm. that's a recipe for disaster. And then you come home and you're greeted by an unmade bed. (laughs) You know, I mean, you're. I mean, literally, these are the things we face every single day. Waking up, going to the office and coming home. And so the more you can just think about yourself and what makes you happy, what drives you nuts. You know, I hated coming home and my bed was unmade because what did I want to do? You'd want to go right back into it. You could, you know, you'd go work out and you come home and it's like, oh, well, my bed is just right there. But if it's made, it's kind of inviting for the night. Especially when you're working in a stressful environment. And I think we didn't talk too much about that, but a lot of like these jobs that you're going to get, you'll get these salaries and you'll get these roles in these positions, but they come with a lot of stress yeah. and how you manage that stress will dictate your success right. or failure over time in yeah. that role. So I think small things like making your bed, I've been asking several interviews, how do you deal with stress? That's very important. And once again, I mean, I think that it's just like, how are you able to be successful in your career and every, you know, all this stuff that you read and this stuff that you see online, you got to wake up early. I knew that I was not that person, right? And so my school of thought is, okay, I'm not going to wake up super early. But when I go into the office, if by the time I get to the office, I know what's expected of me, that helps to reduce the stress. And it's the same thing for kind of when you come home. I would love to say I run 12 miles a day. That's how I reduce my stress. I try to go to the gym as much as I can. But the reality is I don't do that every single day. I'm not a robot that wakes up early and goes to the gym every day when I get off. It's just not what I do. Do I think that can help? Sure. But the reality of my situation is it's not something that I've been able to get myself to do every single day. But I do feel like at the same time, I'm being honest with myself by the approaches that I take to that. And so coming home to a bed that is made, house that is kept, keeps that stress level down. If I can't make it to the gym that day, coming into the office and knowing what's expected of me is great. If I can't wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm kind of rolling out of bed and running into the office. So I think being honest with yourself is so important when it comes to reducing stress. You have to really dive deep and figure out where that stress comes from. That's perfect. It's really good too, because you talk about, there's so much stuff on social media. It says, look, you have to wake up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., get no sleep, you know, is the monker. And then that I tried that in my 20s. It was a recipe for disaster, <laughs> just constantly living under a black cloud because you're not getting any sleep. You feel like you're constantly failing. They're telling you do more, do more. And your work is starting to take a dive. And it's like, how do I get out of this hole? Oh, wait, I got to continue to do more. Whereas you're saying, no, I do as much as I can. I plan out my day, set expectations for myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to live up to my expectations Mm -hmm. for myself. So I think that's so great because everyone is different. Some people are early risers Mm -hmm. and they wake up naturally at 5 Mm a.m. But for some people, (laughs) that will be a recipe for disaster. So I'm so glad that you're candid in saying like, hey, you don't necessarily have to do this to, you know, be successful. Yeah, I'd say the key is 
just being honest with yourself because what makes someone jump out of bed at 5 a.m. and get their day started is not going to be the same thing that makes you want to get your day started. You may want to get your day started after you've gotten an hour more of sleep. That's just the reality. Waking up and eating a great breakfast really early, waking up and reading, waking up and meditating, that may not be what gets you ready for the day. And so I think just being honest with yourself is is important. So how can people get a hold of you, Rachel? I know they're going to run a reach out. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. LinkedIn is a good way. I'm usually on there Monday through Friday for the most part here and there. So, you know, my name will be listed in the podcast yes. notes, yes. but I can also be reach my personal email address is my last name bonnet and then ra at gmail.com that's kind of where I do all of my outside of work but still relevant to my career emails and communication is through that email address so awesome well we'll put all the information in the show notes my last question for you is what would you say if you could go back to young Rachel back in college (laughs) what would you say to her darkest most just you know I don't want to say confused, but just trying to find her way moment. Mm -hmm. You know, what would you say to her? I'd probably tell her to just keep going, even if it hurts, even when it's painful. And I I know that that's cliche, but... Do the things that scare you, I think is important. Switch that major. Mm-hmm. You might be comfortable where you're at, but if you're not happy, then it doesn't matter if you're comfortable. Do what scares you. If, if you're freaked out, then go do it. Do the things that, you know, are going to challenge you. Another cliche, but it's true. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And if you want to grow and you want to be better and you want to do something you enjoy, you've got to step outside of your comfort zone. And you have to just keep going, just not give up. Just because you're in one major and you don't like it doesn't mean you should drop out of college. Maybe (laughs) it means you should switch your major and you can do it again six more times. thought of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, thank you again so much for coming out here amidst the corona craziness and and bearing this. And I know it's going to have a huge impact on this city and many people who are questioning, should I start this internship? Or I'm in this internship and I need some encouragement to get through it. And I think you did that. So thank you so much again, Rachel. Absolutely. Hey, if you made it this far, I trust that you might have liked what you heard. So if you don't mind, please head over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. It goes a long way for the people who are involved with this podcast, who help out, who put the work in. It really means a lot. Thank you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of B2B Growth Hacks.